Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, we're not going to, we're going to, actually we're going to make a lot of ground tonight. We're going to cover three verses. I mean, we're making some traction. Um, but three verses for a reason. Uh, I, I want us to, to take our time here, not to say that we will take this pace throughout this book, but um, coming to these thoughts, it, it really brings us to, to some deeper thinking and sort of broadening our, our minds a little bit. But um, I'm excited to be looking at a, 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 message, <clears throat> a message entitled, Blessings from the Father. We'll be looking at blessings from the Son and then blessings from the Spirit a little bit later. But we want to look at blessings from the Father tonight. So Ephesians chapter 1 in verse 4, if you're there, say amen. Okay. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says, According as he, being God, the Father, had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, <clears throat> that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Father God, I approach your throne of grace tonight in so very much need of your help. I pray that you would just strengthen my, my voice and carry me through um, this message. And I, and I pray that each one would look beyond my, my stumbling in that sense tonight and just hear the truth of your word. Um, Father, we, we're here wanting to know our, what our riches are and what they look like so we may live according to those because we have a purpose, we have a calling so help us tonight to rightly divide your word. I desperately need your help and to do so. And I pray all this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Blessings from the Father. Um, you know, for every project that takes place, um, and I'm speaking from the position of building projects. I've grown up around building. Um, I spent a lot of my time in drawing particular blueprints um, from homes to architectural millwork, things like that. And for every project that takes place, there is a planning phase. There is something that took place before the project happened or was completed to work out all the details, potentially. <laughs> work out all the details and look at every possible scenario that could happen and make sure we plan for that. Now, you all know this, uh, when, when humanity gets together and plans something out, 
the vulnerability is usually high that not everything was thought out, right? Uh, many times you can't think about every variable that comes about. Uh, that's humanity. Now, Paul's not talking about any product of humanity here. The Apostle Paul is talking about something that God designed before the foundation of the world. And so what we're going to learn about is, is something that was designed by someone who is perfect and holy and just and loving. That's who Paul is talking about. All right? And uh, I will tell you this. You're going to find in, 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 in the nature of God, God has no blind spots. God doesn't miss anything. When it comes to your salvation, we'll look at the word adoption. We'll be looking at those things. God did not miss anything. He hit, he hit everything on the head. He knew exactly what he was doing. Nothing has fallen apart in God's redemptive plan, and it never will. And Paul is, is taking us a little deeper into some theology about God. And we want to step, not run through this, but step through this because it's important or it wouldn't be in God's Word. And so um, looking at the blessings from the Father, I want us to first of all look at the extent of the believer's blessings. So look at the extent of the believer's blessings. And what Paul's going to do, he's first of all going to take us to God's eternal nature. And this is a remarkable thing to examine and look at. So if you will, look at verse 4. It says, according as he had chosen us in him before what? The foundation of the world. So just sort of just pumping the brakes for a minute. I just want us to think about God's nature. Thinking about his eternal nature. Now for us, when we talk about time, our interaction with time, we usually say things like this. Well, I, I was or I used to be or I am or um, I will or I'm going to be. That that. that past, present, and future. That, that's, that's what we experience. That, that's what our mind can comprehend. But Paul is, is, is plummeting different or uh, deeper here, talking about the nature of God. The remarkable thing about God is that God does not live just in the past or in the present or just in the future. We find that God is. Are you following me? Jesus uh, gives a reference back to the Old Testament uh, you remember when God spoke to Moses there at the burning bush. Who did he tell uh, him to tell the Jews that sent him? Who? The I am. Jesus makes reference to this in John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I send to you before Abraham was, I am. All right? And so what we understand is this, is that when it comes to God, the past, the present, and the future all merge to the present. All of time is present to God. He doesn't live in past, present, or future. He lives in the present. We're talking about eternity. And we could, we could get into the philosophical part and, and just let our minds look at different aspects of that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, philosophy is great. But folks, I just want to look at the text tonight, what the Bible says. And it says that God is eternal. That's his relationship to time. He's eternal. And, and, and this is so important because I want you to understand that God's plan of salvation was not just something he developed as he went or just something later on down the road in time. God, before the foundation of the world, was working at what it meant to be a child of God, what it, meant, what it, uh, what it means to be chosen of God, have, uh, to be adopted as sons, what all that means. He worked it all out before the foundation of the world. 
And so it's just a remarkable thing to think about um, God's nature. Now look at this. Now with that in mind, notice what he says. He has chosen us in him. Can we say that together? In him. That is key here to understanding what he's talking about. Before the foundation of the world. Okay? And so the emphasis here is in uh, in him. Okay? And so when you think about this, the sphere of of God's choosing a, a people is in a particular person. And it is in Jesus Christ. And so those that have put their faith and trust in him, which is Jesus, we find that God said before the foundation of the world, those that are in him are God's chosen uh, people. The criteria of being the chosen of God are those that are in Christ. And, and God promised that before the foundation of the world. There wasn't a generation of people that did not have this promise intact of being those uh, the chosen of God. Those that are in Christ are the chosen of God. We come to faith in Jesus, and in that sense, we are in the sphere of God's choosing. And so from our vantage point, God did that in the past. From God's vantage point, he did that in the present. It's remarkable to think about that my salvation uh, was as, as uh, to God was then. But to me, it was 23 years ago. It was in time, time, space, and matter, right? But for him, it was in eternity past because he doesn't live in time. It's just remarkable to think about. And so when you think about me putting my faith and trust in Jesus and, and God's promise of choosing me because I'm in Christ, that was as good as in eternity in the past. But for me, it was 23 years ago. It's remarkable to think about. And I will tell, even in knowing this and understanding this, uh, still there is even mystery of how all of this works. It really is. But Jesus is the key of being the chosen of God. But we're chosen for a purpose and for a reason. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But I come across the choir writer, uh, G.R. Harding. I don't know if you know who he is. But he wrote this. He said, why did he love me? I, can't, uh, I never can tell. Why did he suffer to save me from hell? Nothing but infinite grace from above could have conceived such a story of love. And that's true. God uh, designing all of this in eternity was all from his love. Now notice this, look a little bit further, um, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. All right, so God has changed you. Aren't you thankful that Jesus had the power to change you? And the Father's declared that you are changed once you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you becoming the chosen of God. We understand let me, let me pose you a question like this. Think for just a moment. I want to try to elevate this truth. Now, I want to elevate your heart to praising God tonight. Um, since the moment you, were, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, think of all the times you've made mistakes. Well, this is a somber service, ain't it? This just went, you know, just way downhill, right? Um, I don't mean for that to happen. I'm not, I'm not saying that to, to make you get all down in the dumps and, and drag your lip. Um, I say that to say this. When God looks at you, he sees no blemish. I'm not talking about a sinless perfection in your actions. I'm talking about a position that you have in Jesus. Positionally, I am perfect, Brother Royce. There is no imperfection in my position because I am in the perfect Son of God. 
Now, my actions aren't always perfect, right? And I have to give an account of those. I have to ask forgiveness to those and all those things. But positionally, right, God has promised for the foundation of the world, if I am in him, we, we understand that we are without blame. We are holy and without blame before him in love. Folks, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, God says that when you're in me, you're perfectly in me. Right? What a joy that is. That you're now learning that I can go forward with peace in my heart. That God keeps me. We'll learn more about how all that works too. But we see that reality. We see, well, how can this, how can this be? How can this be if I have so many mistakes? But it's our position in Christ that, that, that we see that we should be holy without blame before him in love. Aren't you thankful that it's in Christ God has chosen you to be holy without blame? Only God can do this work. Only God can do this work in you. When you're in Christ, this work is done. It is done. You are holy and without blame before him in love. You know, the Bible uh, talks about that we as believers will one day experience the full realization of being like Christ. Is Christ perfect or not? He's perfect. And one day, you know, the Bible tells us that... Um, um, I, was think, I was thinking I had this reference. I don't know if I have it on the screen. It's 1 John 4, 17. Um, if it's not, here's what it says. Herein is our love made perfect that, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Okay, so in the future sense. Because as he is, so are we in this world. So now we have a future promise that we are going to be like him. Right? The full realization of Christ's likeness. But that's not just then, but even now, as, as John tells us in 1 John 4, 17, so are we in this world. How does that happen? How does that happen? The Holy Spirit is such a wonderful part of the Godhead. He is working all the time to bring our imperfect state uh, to match our perfect position in Jesus. Because you and I don't always do things right. Sometimes we do things wrong. And the Holy Spirit's always working in us, isn't he? He's always working in us, trying to bring us and match us to our position, which is perfect. Are you with me? I don't want to lose you. Positionally, we're perfect without blame and holy. Our actions, not so much. And the Spirit is working to bring those two together. And I'm so thankful that He is able to do that work. When I yield to Him, I'll become more like my position. I'll become to look more like Jesus. I'll never look perfectly like Him until I'm up there. But positionally, I am holy and perfect uh, in my works. Sometimes I'm not. And the Holy Spirit helps me look more like my position. What a beautiful thing that is. So God, as you have put your faith and trust in him, which is Christ, you become the chosen of God. And you're chosen to be holy without blame before him in love. Aren't you thankful for the mastermind of God? It's a blessing. It's a blessing. And the Father has made every believer. Listen, listen. Don't miss this. God has made every believer a son or daughter of his. Every one of you. He doesn't miss one. Why is that so important? As you look a little bit further, we get in um, into verse 5. Notice, back at, notice your Bibles. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children... Okay, by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Let's, now let's just take a little time and chew on this, okay? 
So first, we'll get back to the predestination part. Let's look at the adoption part. This is rich. This is, this is joyful. Now, here in, in, in our Bibles, it, it uses the word children, adoption, all right, of children. Now, I'm not going to try to get technical, but I just want to point out something here. A, 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 when you look at the word adoption, all right, when you look at the word adoption, it produces the next, it, there was a decision made on what the next two words should be. Adoption, you think about children, don't you? And that's what we see in our translations, adoption under children. But when you look at the word adoption back into the original language, what you find, it talks more about sonship than being children. And that's huge. It's, it's great to hammer that out when you're studying this. Why? Because sonship speaks about uh, what, what you now can have in your life as believers. It's not just a child. Children means I'm a member of God's family. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you became a child of the king. Are you with me? You're in the, you're in the family of God. But listen, what is predestined for you when you're in Christ is that you are a son or daughter. Now, why is that important? When you go back, the Bible talks about the law being our schoolmaster. <clears throat> back in, in the Old, Old Testament, in those days, you'll find that children had a, had a, had a teacher, had a, if you will, a, a, um, a mentor, right, that would guide them. As, as a young child, they, did not have, they were not up to the age yet of enjoying all their inheritance because they were young. They were kids. Right? Henry and James can't enjoy all the things that I could give them. They're not old enough to enjoy everything that I have for them. Right? They're just not old enough. The responsibility is not there. The wisdom's not there. And some, they're just not big enough. Okay? Here's the remarkable thing. When you look back in the, in, in, in the culture, when they got to a particular age, the mentor or the teacher now would, would step out of the picture because now they've reached an age of enjoying the inherit all the inheritance of their father what paul is saying to every believer the moment you trusted christ you became eligible to receive what all god has for you from himself does that not excite you there's not one day that you live as his children that you don't have all the resources from him. You have all of his resources there because you are, he says, you're a son. You're a daughter. You're at that, that, that place where you can, you can um, receive all of the inheritance you have in the sense what you need on earth. It's all there. You don't have to wait five years, right, to have what other sufficient grace he has for you. It's all there. Now, one day, now I want you to understand this adoption is not just for right now. But turn to Romans 8.22. Turn there. Romans 8.22. And we'll, we'll look at this word uh, predestined for just a moment. And then we'll, we'll move on. Romans 8.22. There's also a future sense of this. So we have a, we're sons and daughters in this present moment. We have all, we're able to draw from, the, from our father's from our inheritance from the Father, all that's needed here. But also in the future, Romans 8, 22 and verse 23. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves, ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for, you see the next word, for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. 
there are some things that we don't get to experience yet. There's going to be the full adoption that we're predestined to, which is when we're, when we're in glory, when he calls us home. And the fact that this is predestined to the children of God who are in Christ, no one can shift that reality away from you. This came from the hand of God, it's kept by the hand of God, and it, it is distributed by the hand of God. No one can strip that from you as his son or daughter. I have to say amen, hallelujah to that. I mean, there's some powerful things in this world, but there's nothing more powerful than the hand of God. And all of this came from the hand of God. It's wonderful. So predestined us unto adoption of sons. This is not connected to the lost. You don't, as a lost individual, you don't get this inheritance. But if you're in Christ, it's all available for you. Right? And what, what, great, uh, what great message for a lost person to hear. That you can have an inheritance this world cannot match. Which is from the Father. But you got to be in Him. Right? And so it has to do... Um, this predestination deals with the full maturity. We're partnering in His eternal purposes. So God knew very well that when He, <clears throat> when I came, put my faith and trust in Jesus, He knew very well all the grace that I needed to partner with Him in kingdom building. Because the Bible says I'm a co-laborer. If you're a believer, you're a co-laborer with Jesus. And it would be foolish of God to not give you all that you needed to be a sufficient and God-pleasing co-laborer. Do you with me? Oh, God's so smart. He's so smart in how he's done all of this. All from his mind. He needed no other help from, from you or me. And uh, he figured all this out. What a powerful and amazing God we have. And it says, according, notice this, according to the good pleasure of his will. I'm, I'm thankful tonight that even if I get wayward, I make mistakes. I'm thankful that the power of my mistakes is not overpowering the power of the adoption that I've been promised. That, that, there's nothing that I can do to shift that reality away from me. You may say, well, I've been away from God, and I've, I've, I've made mistakes, and I've been a, a, away from my church family. And I, there was times I doubted God, and there, were, there was times that I just I didn't serve God like I should have, or I stepped away from service because of some emotional thing. And, but folks, can I tell you something? Listen, the Father, dear friend, is, 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 is still promising you the, the, the robe and the ring and the sandals and a place at his table. Amen? And so I just want you to know, nothing can, can, can shake this predestined adoption to his children. I mean, God is good. None of us deserve this. None of us deserve this. But God is so gracious and loving to predestine this in Christ. That's the key. In Christ. But secondly, and lastly, I want you to see the magnitude of the believer's blessings. The magnitude. All right? So let's look a little bit further in the text. It says, um, look in verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted. This gets good. The accepted in the beloved. Now, let's, let's, let's take a second and uh, think on this thought of acceptance. And I'll ask you a question. How many of you have spent a lot of time 
bending over backward, time, effort, whatever, to gain the acceptance of someone. Your flesh loves to feel accepted. It's amazing. I mean, a teenager, you look at even just teenagers, they'll do so much. They'll... They'll, they'll change what they wear, they'll change their hair color, they'll change what shoes they wear. They'll, you know, humanity will just bend over backwards and spend all kinds of money and spend all kinds of time just to be accepted by men. It's a sad thing that we're like that. Can I tell you something? The acceptance of man is nothing compared to be accepted by God. It, it fails in comparison. What's greater, being accepted by God or accepted by man? Dear friend, it has to be accepted by God. It's the greatest thing. It's the greatest acceptance you can have. But notice, again, what he says in this verse. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein, so it's his grace, which we know was embodied by Christ, is to the glory of his grace. All credit goes to God here, okay? Wherein, in that grace, he hath made us, the believers, accepted in the beloved. Now, Mark 1.11, just listen. The beloved, what does that mean? What, what is it? What does it mean to be accepted in the beloved? Does beloved have any significance at all here? It does. So let me just sort of jog your memory. Mark 1.11. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. John 8.29 says this about Jesus. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. Do you know why it says accepted in the beloved? This goes back to what I told you to pay attention to at the beginning. In him. The beloved one of the father is only one person. And his name is Jesus. Why is that? Jesus always did everything perfectly to the father's will. Jesus is the beloved of God and the way we become accepted in the beloved amen is of course being in Christ folks that's how you're accepted by the father it's not by what you do it's not some meritorial act it's not by some kind of, of, of a repeat after me prayer it's not by some kind of baptism it's simply being in Jesus being accepted what God has done he's put no effort on your shoulders because it's not a work you could do but it's a work only the beloved son could do. And guess what? Over 2,000 years ago, he did it. For you and for me. Why? Because the loving father predestined him to do exactly that. He was predestined to be slain before the foundation of the world. Aren't you thankful for that? So the transaction, listen, the transaction of acceptance was complete. Nothing else to be done to make you accepted. Was complete the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Complete. Done. Nothing else to be done. Jesus did it all. Here's a couple of verses. I think I have these on the screen for you. First Peter 
Listen. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. Jesus was perfect. That we might be what? Made the righteousness of God. What's the next two words? In him. That's the key to it all. Is in Jesus. It's being in him. So here, here's what's happening. Ron, when God looks at you, or, or, or uh, um, James, when he looks at you, or, what's your name? I'm sorry. She thinks I forgot it. Crystal. I, I was helping you out there. I thought you. Crystal, when God looks at you, can laugh a little bit. <clears throat> my voice is gone, but my mind's not gone that far yet. Crystal. When God looks at you, when God looks at all those that are believers in Christ, he doesn't see you. Who does he see? You tell me. He sees Christ because you're in him. And so that is why we are able to stand holy without blame, right? That's why our adoption is settled. That's why we're predestined to certain things because it's all in him. And for all of that to change, something would have to change about Christ. And my Bible tells me that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and you tell me the rest forevermore. We're in the beloved because we're in the beloved Son. And guess what? Guess whose idea all this was? Now, if you, just, if you thought it was mine, it wasn't mine. It's God's. It's God's idea. It was in His mind. Not yours, not mine. No great theologian or philosopher. Because notice what it says. To the praise of the glory of His grace. It's from His mind. When He thought about you, dear friend, He put all this together. What a great God we have. A loving Father that we have. Listen. He is the one who sought you, saved you, sanctified you. And as we've already learned... If you're in Christ, you're seated with him. Amen? You're not physically there. Positionally, you're seated with him. In the heavenlies. God did all that work. Yes, you responded by faith in his drawing you, yes. But faith is not a work. Faith is simply a response to his work of, of, of drawing and reproving of your sin and showing to you his, his salvation, his righteousness. Giving your faith to him. To the praise of the glory of his grace. I want to end with a quote tonight. And we'll have a song of invitation. John Phillips said this. The endless ages of eternity will prove to be all too short a time. To sing his praise. For such matchless love and grace. Would you say amen to that? What little our finite minds could grasp of what Paul's talking about. Eternity's not long enough to thank him for what we've learned thus far in six verses. And we've got chapters to go through. Amen? 
Tonight, I, just, I, just, I want you to be a, a praiser of God, not a praiser of self. Christians can praise their self too much, worship themselves too much. You can, that can happen. Understand this, all the credit goes to God's grace about who you are in Him. And let that shift, let, let that bring, let that help you have a reality check of who you are and who you are not. Humble yourself, be on your knees and praise His wonderful name. Let's stand to our feet.